a once-in-a-lifetime. You need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast. All right, guys. Today we have Jimmy Rex on the show, and this is a huge deal. I've been so stoked about having Jimmy on. Been looking forward to this last couple of weeks. Background on Jimmy is he's sold over 2,500 homes. He's been in real estate for 17 years. Uh, he's an avid investor. He's invested in over a dozen uh, businesses. One of those being Nicola, uh, a massive uh, company that's just exploded the last couple of years. He's a business owner. I, I know Jimmy, I know you have a car trading company, a restaurant. I know you probably a lot more. Um, he's an incredible networker, incredible. I think the best that I personally have seen. He has a successful podcast. It's a podcast that I personally listen to a couple times a week. I love it. There's a huge diversity of speakers and it's very, very impressive. He's a speaker. He gets paid to go speak and visit different groups. He's an author. I'm personally reading his book right now. Uh, You get to where you're headed. I'm about a quarter of the way through. It's awesome. Um, He's a world traveler. He's visited 84 different countries. He's a human rights activist. He's completed multiple underground railroad missions, which is just so freaking cool. Might get into a little bit of that. And um, most of all, he's a philanthropist. He gives back. I think you're the founder of the $100 Dinner Club, right? Uh, yeah. yeah yep. And that is so freaking cool. If you haven't looked that up, look it up on social media. It's so cool. Basically, just trying to keep restaurants alive and people that work in the restaurants. And uh, so much going on. So anyways, there's so much we could talk about with Jimmy. And so we've tried to select some of the stuff that we think would be applicable to everybody listening. Um, We're going to go through real estate, hard work, money, time, life experience, uh, a bunch of awesome topics. So with that, uh, let's get into it. And I'll just give a quick background too on, uh, that's kind of a good overview of Jimmy. What is really cool about his background is he actually started selling door to door right out of high school, right? Selling meat. Yeah. Selling steak and chicken door to door. It was after my mission which is pretty freaking cool. So he totally gets what we're doing, a short little thing in solar too. But there's so much that I think relates to real estate with what we're doing in solar. I mean, prospecting every morning, right? Do the hardest things first. A lot of successful agents come in and they want to have a couple hours of prospecting, which we'll get into. So how did you get into real estate? I I think the story that I know you were doing meat door to door, served a mission, then came back and got into real estate? So I, I served a mission first and then I got back from my mission and I, I wanted to get into business. I wanted to sell. I knew I could sell, you know, and um, so I answered an ad in the paper to sell meat door to door. This was back in the day. I mean, there was like three or four other alarm companies, but you know, that was it. And I remember they were like, yeah, you just go out for the whole summer. And I was like, looked at these guys that were trying to recruit me. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would I give up my entire summer? And so right. I was like, I'll just sell here in Utah. So I actually sold meat for three years, year round. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it was the equivalent of doing like nine summers. Yeah. Wow. I sold for quite a while. And I I sold for about six months. And and then I was like, I was the only one that was out selling every day of this group. Well, there was about seven or eight sales guys. But the owners seemed to be doing fine. And I was like, how much money are they making on me? Because I'm the only one making any sales. And then I did some research and found out I could get the product for about half the price if I started my own thing. And so I started my own meat business and I would, you know, I down in Provo and at the time going to school and I bought a condo and I, I filled up my, I had like a little backyard. I filled it with like four giant freezers. And then every morning 
we'd take the freezers and load them up in the trucks. And uh, I would get all my sales guys. I would just throw steak and chicken parties. And it was kind of funny. Like we'd be in, if because if you're in class, you know, and you see a pretty girl, if you just go up and ask her out, you're immediately putting yourself at a disadvantage. So what right. we would do is whenever one of us, one of the roommates like really liked a girl, we would uh, we would just be like, hey, we're doing a steak party on sure. Tuesday, whatever, if you want to come, it'll barbecue. And then we'd be like, hey guys, party Tuesday. And then I would throw the steaks on the grill, a couple hundred of them. And that's where I'd get all my sales guys. They'd be like, who the hell throws steak parties? Like, you know, they're used yeah. to people being all cheap in college and stuff. And so we would uh, get all my sales guys and press the ladies. And yeah, man, it was fun. <laughs> Networking, selling, yep. ladies, kind of everything, right? Yep. Then how did you go from there to real estate? Um, so yeah, so I was always intrigued with real estate. My dad had done it a little bit and I knew that it was a you know great for investing. And so I kind of always had this idea like, well, worst case, I'm going to get into real estate just so that I can do it for my own investing. That's kind of how I first got the idea. But I had about six months between going to UVU. I was going to transfer to BYU and didn't know that you have to like apply six months in advance. And so I was pretty smart. But um, and so I literally had nothing to do for six months. And so I decided, you know what, I'll just go to real estate school. And I got my license in 2005, and it was right before this giant boom. And so right when I got my license, it was kind of like right now. It was just crazy. You know, everybody was buying everything. And um, and I got in, and my first six months as a realtor, um, I was kind of still dabbling with the meat thing. I was still doing uh, this TV show that I had started. And so I was kind of all over the place. And uh, and then I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, gonna to really focus on this real estate, hired a coach. And my next six months, I'd sold, I think in my first four months in real estate, I sold like, sorry, my first six months, I sold like four homes. And then my next six months, by the end of that year, I'd sold 60. So, I mean, I think I sold like 50 wow. some homes that next six months. What's and, the average realtor doing? Uh, like five or six. And wow. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was crazy, crazy, man. It was the wild west. And I had like commission checks just in my drawers. I didn't even cash on accident. And it was just a wild time. But um, that kind of catapulted me full into real estate for a couple of years though. That's cool. And 06, that was a crazy time. That was like pre-crash. You know, you could get qualified on stated income. Yeah, I mean, you you literally could do anything and get qualified. We sold a house to a kid in high school. I don't even know how the loan officer got it approved, but like it was nuts. Like it was anybody could buy as many houses as they wanted. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, it was crazy. I'm sure people ask you a lot, why real estate versus stocks? What real estate versus crypto, real estate versus anything. What, What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm invested in a lot of different things, right? I'm an investor actually in 17 private businesses. Um, I'm in, I you know, I have a bunch of money in the stock market, multiple six figures in there. I've got a lot of money in crypto. I've got um, money in you know precious metals, baseball cards, guns, ammo, all that kind of different stuff. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I uh, love real estate the most because of the leverage piece. Number one, I mean, it's just it makes so much sense if you really break it down. If I put 200 grand in the stock market and it goes up 20%, which would be a crazy good year. You know, I make 40 grand, but if I put that same 200,000 down on real estate, buy three or four houses, I can leverage a million dollars. And so if it goes up 20%, like this last year, you know, we've gone up 27%, 30%, um, 40% in some areas, uh, it's just been nuts, but that same leveraged $200,000 of cash, you know, if I buy a million dollars worth of real estate and it goes up 20%, I just doubled my money. For and sure. that's kind of what's happened this last year is all these properties have appreciated, you know, 20, 30%. And I, if you own 
10, $20 million worth of real estate, I mean, you just made a couple million bucks. And so that's kind of what's happened with, you know, a lot of people, a lot of these investors that we work with, if you can get to own a million dollars worth of real estate, it's as if you put a million dollars in the stock market based on what it does. And then the other thing I love about real estate is like, if the stock market drops, that's what your money's worth. I mean, that's what you now have. And if the market drops 50% and then gains 50%, you're still down 25% if you think of the math of that, right? So yeah. if I have a hundred grand in stocks and it goes down 50, but then it goes up, say 50, I only get another 25 grand. It only it's, went up 50 on the 50. Right. So and 50 so you're, you know, you really have to get some huge gains to make those losses back. Yeah. Whereas with real estate, you know, I have, if the market collapses tomorrow, it goes down 20%, it's not going to, but let's say it did just for shit's sake. And, you know, all my properties, as long as I have cash flow, I just don't sell them. And so there's a lot more ways to make money in real estate as opposed to stocks. Whereas like with real estate, so if the market goes down 20%, I just don't sell anything. But every one of my properties is still paying the principal down. Every single one of my properties still has that cash flow coming in. So every one of them is still going to give me a huge um, cash on cash return, even in a down market. And that's really the beauty of real estate. Like you can tell if a property is a good deal. If the market turns and you're still glad you own it, then that's a great real estate property to own. That's kind of the litmus test that I use with all okay. my clients is, yeah. you know, if this market collapses tomorrow, if I've got cash flow of three, four, 500 bucks on the house and it's still paying the principal down another four or 500, of course I'm gonna be happy I own it. And so it's still like somebody's walking to my bank and dropping 800,000 bucks in my bank account For every you. month. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's talk, you mentioned the market a couple of times. Let's talk about it. I think there's, the people that work for us that aren't getting into real estate, I th what I hear frequently is because they're scared. We're at the top. What, what's your personal opinion of the market right now, maybe as a nation, but also in Utah? Yeah, so a couple things about that. So number one is go back to what I just said is like, if you're scared that it's going to drop, well, just make sure you buy something that it's okay if it drops. It's cash flowing still. Sure. Yeah. Like it's still going to be a good property to own. That being said, I actually think we have three or four more good years where it's going to keep either slowly going up or going up even dramatically from here. I mean, they're just dumped so much money into the market. And the number one place that's all getting stashed is going to be in real estate. And if you look, rents are up 13% across the country in the last year. That's crazy, right? And so it's still more expensive in most cases to rent the same home that you would want to yeah. own. Yeah. So you might as well have a mortgage on it. You got to pay that payment either way. And so I just tell people, you know, it's like, you got to be in the market. You got to be in If I just... If you look at all the factors, and again, we live in a crazy time, we live in a crazy world. I mean, anything could happen, but if it really, everything goes to crap, um, it doesn't really matter if you own zero properties or 20, it's That's still true. gonna be in a yeah. really bad That's situation. True. So you might as well take the upside of it. But if it's good, it it's different. Than totally, yeah, yeah. Good. And honest, honestly, like the, the key is to not buy bad properties. Don't make bad investments. I mean, to me, it's a lot riskier right now to have your money in stocks or even crypto and all these other things. Again, I have money and all that, but I've hedged against that with my real estate because worst case scenario, people need a place to live. They have a tangible asset. When the market tanks, it's very easy to sell off your stock portfolio. It's very easy to sell off, you know, some of those other assets because you don't really do anything with them. But people are living in houses. Uh, people need a place to be. And so it kind of protects a little bit more against yeah. all that. What about your personal portfolio? I, I know before we jumped on this call, you said you personally did a couple with Tyler Bennett recently. We've had Tyler Bennett and Anthony on as well. What are What does your personal portfolio look like 
long-term residentials, Airbnbs, flips. I know, I know I saw you post a flip on your Facebook page. Yeah. So I have a partner full-time. We flip homes and we'll flip about 20 homes this year. I think we have five or six going right now. Um, our average flip this year has been great. We've been averaging about 75 to 80 grand per flip. Wow. Um, we flipped those in about 70 days on average. So you can kind of do the math there. You know, it's been really good. We're again, we're hoping to flip about 20 this year, um, up that to maybe 30 next year. But um, so always flipping homes, that's always part of it that we're doing. Um, but Flipster, it's a full-time job. I mean, it's literally, she works 50, 60 hours a week and I'm working wow. 10 or 15 hours a week on that, you know, that business. Um, but then I have, uh, I counted before I got in here cause I saw that was one of the questions you're going to ask. And so I currently own or am partnered in 28 properties. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge bullish real estate guy, right? Yeah. Like it's just, it's to me, it's every good thing that's happened in my life has happened because I owned real estate one way or another. All the other investments I made, I was able to make because of real estate. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, my goal is eventually get to a hundred doors. Like I said, right now I'm mid twenties and that's cool. uh, keep going from there. The 28, what does that look like? Airbnbs? Yeah. So I have a little bit of everything I have. Um, I'm building a few Airbnbs right now. So I'll have five Airbnbs when those are finished. Okay. Um, Moab, St. George or hurricane, I guess. Um, and park city. And then one in kind of, uh, it's kind of up by Jordan L. Cool. Um, but yeah, I like Airbnbs a lot, especially if you want to have, you know, if it's a place where you just want to have a second home or you want yeah. to be able to use it, then Airbnbs are great. Yeah. yeah. They are a lot more management. And so that part of it, you got to factor in. I own one duplex and the rest are single family homes. I'm just a huge fan of single family. That's what Tyler and I, you know, Tyler's on my real estate team. We work together and we're just huge proponents of that. There's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously there's a million ways to make money in real estate, right? Like everybody has ways that make money for us. This is the way Having gone through this, like I went through the downturn, I did everything wrong. I did, made every mistake you can make, both in stocks and real estate. I mean, I did in two thousand seven, eight when everything collapsed. Like, it didn't matter what you're invested in; you're losing your money. And, For sure, you know. And unfortunately, I made a lot of mistakes and invested a lot of the wrong ways. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate now. Like, why I love helping people sell real estate or buy real estate the right way because because. I'm able to help them avoid all these mistakes that I made. I was just honestly like back then we didn't have podcasts and YouTube and all these different, you know, mentors and people that could help us. And so you're just kind of winging it a little bit or you're listening to your broker or whoever it was that was telling you what to do. And I just, I made every mistake you can make, lost a lot of money. And, uh, uh, and so for me, I choose a way to invest in real estate that's honestly pretty boring, pretty conservative, but that has the highest return for le less stress possible. I, I yeah. just, it's a very safe way to do it, but also um, you can build it up really fast. And that's more the long term. So like I've just noticed with our Airbnb, it's very profitable, but there's more stress there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just a lot more hands-on or else you got to pay somebody, you know, 20, 30% to yeah. manage it for you. But yeah, there's just a lot more things are going to come up. I mean, the last thing that I want, you make a lot of money in your day job, so do I. The last thing I want to do is be working or you know on vacation or just anything with getting my family and all of a sudden i'm getting calls yeah. yeah dude like they can't get the door to work or they can't figure out the code to, you know what i mean yeah. or the fridge is For out sure. and all of a sudden the hot tub won't get hot enough or whatever <laughs> it is i mean these are the issues i always have i've had to call owners like we were i rented an airbnb up in um sundance a big cabin um right around new year's and freaking old fire alarm was going off for like an hour and i was blowing these people up and i was you know, we, it was ruining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guarantee I ruined their night as much as it ruined mine. But it was like, 
those issues I don't want to deal with. So I'm, I'll for sure have management or I have management on my Airbnbs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about, what do you think separated you from everybody else? I mean, how many agents are there in the country? Oh, uh, there's over a million. Over a million. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, I mean, what's separated you from everybody else? Um, you know, there's, it's funny because people always like, there's a couple different things that agents do really well or don't. And the number one thing I've seen for those that are, the difference between those that are successful and those that are unsuccessful is those that are successful have merely learned to do the things that the unsuccessful people don't want to do. You fall in love with the daily routine, the monotonousness of it, the consistency. So like people, anytime people ask a question, like what's the one thing or whatever, I say there's not. It's, there's a lot of I, I mean, I'm actually going to change it on you. It's the consistency of doing several things great every day, all day. And so, you know, I was really good at the routine. I got, I mean, every single day for five years when I started, I'm not joking when I say this, I did not miss a day. I'd get in my I'm office prospecting at or what? eight o'clock and I'd prospect till yeah. 11 or 12. Yeah. Every day. I mean, I had an office, a booth in my office. I made them build for me at my brokerage. And it was just known from eight to 11. Don't bother Jimmy. I didn't take my cell phone in there. I had an old, just dial it up phone and uh, I made my calls every single morning. And that was just, I knew if I did that one thing every single day, the rest of my day would take care of itself. I'd have appointments, I'd have leads to follow up with. And so uh, the thing that separated me from every other agent in my office, at least, was my consistency in doing the work that no one else wanted to do. Yeah, I I personally saw that because right when I got back from my mission, I got my license just to help a couple of family friends hurry and buy and sell their, their properties. I didn't want to do that as a career at the time. But the, the brokerage made me hold my license there. Uh, they required me to go to the morning meetings. Mm. And out of like 30 agents there, this is like 08, 07, they're always just harping like prospect 9 to 12, 9 to 12. And out of 30 agents, there wasn't anybody that did it. No, no, no it's crazy. Like of the, I think at one point we had like 2,500, 3,000 agents in Utah County. There was like six of us that did it. Like we knew each other, all of us very well. And to I this, bet all six. Oh, are all six are ballers right now. now. Yeah, yeah, it's Aaron Wagner, Brian Burnett, Dan Evans. I mean, I can tell you, Crazy. you know, Dave Stoko. These dudes, like every one of us, has multi-million dollar businesses now because we just did the thing that no one else was willing to do. Like everyone else, just kind of hoping business comes to them. And I see nowadays one of the disadvantages that younger people have is we didn't have options though. That we didn't have all these distractions. We didn't have all these other ways we could try to get deals. Social media wasn't big yet. No, I mean, it was like, and so it was, you know, it was like, oh, I guess that's what I'm doing. Like agents now, they buy a lot of their leads off Zillow, right? Or they use social media and they try to get leads that way. And you get some people interested. Like I've learned how to use social media now because I have this giant client base. But if I'd have tried it when I was starting, it just wouldn't have worked. And so, um, yeah, it's like, it's funny. It's like, I just tell every agent, I'm like, look, if you can learn to call 30 people every day, no matter what, and a business call, you will, you, there's no way you don't sell 50 homes a year. I mean, you just have, if you sell, if you make those calls, you make those sales. We see this so much in our industry. Like everything you just said is so applicable. We, when reps are new, they'll try and you know, they'll get an ad for Facebook leads, solar Facebook mm-hmm. or whatever, right? That's the easy way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see this with agents. Then they call and say, dude, I'm going to try this. I'm going to make so much. And it's like, dude, just go out and knock doors every day. I promise you'll make more money. And it's probably the same. Just get on the phone for three hours every day. Yeah. And, and it get the, you know, you get to a point after like five or six. I mean, I was burned out. I was completely burned out from doing it. That's why you, you can't sell like that for 10 years, 20 totally. years. You're not supposed yeah. to, right? You're supposed to transition out of that, which I did have to make that switch. But when you're starting out, it's a must. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What about, you said you've done right things, wrong things, investing in real estate. As you look back now, the last 10 years have been awesome. 
for a lot of people in real mm-hmm. estate. What are some of the mistakes and what are some of the things that you said, man, when I look back, here's what's gone right in my, specifically in your investment career in real estate. In real estate specifically, um, you know, just buying properties, like taking the risk. I remember so many properties that like when I bought them, I was like, man, like I'm really stretching myself a little bit here to do it. But every single one of those paid off. Mm. Um, The mistakes I made, like I can, I literally tell you addresses of homes I didn't buy that I knew when I saw it, I should have bought it. And it was like, there's one in (laughs) Mapleton and it was $410,000. I'll never forget. I know exactly which house. It's probably worth (laughs) 900,000 now. And I don't know why I didn't buy it. I just, I I wanted to, I knew it was a good deal. I should have bought it. It was already undervalued like 30, 40 grand at the time. And I just, so the ones I passed on, honestly, are the mistakes, because here's the things, is if I've learned one thing in life, um, it's that aggressiveness wins. Like, you know, you hear fortune favors the bold. It is the truest statement I've ever heard. Like, just go for it, dude. The mistakes that you make in life, when you're moving enough, you don't get burned. It's like running through a fire, right? If you can run right through a fire, you're fine. But if you stop and you kind of overthink it or you just teeter up to the fire and try to like, tiptoe up to it, you're going to get burned. And so just keep going, man. Just be aggressive, be bold. Like that's the best advice I can give people. And this basically kind of leading into your book a little bit. That's what the book's about. There's a safe path and it's the easy path. Yeah. It's the the subtitle of the book. It was called, you know, the book's called you end up where you're heading. And then the subtitle is the hidden dangers of living a safe life. And the reason I wrote that book is because in my life, I've seen that all the people that have the best lives that I know are the people that have taken the quote unquote, not safe path. And, you know, we think the safe path is get a safe job, get a safe career, get it, get into a safe position, like play it safe, all these things you hear. But at the end of our lives, nobody regrets the decisions they made. People regret the things they didn't do. They regret the, the, the dreams that die within them or the risks they never took or the woman or man they never talked to, you know, that they wanted to and all these different things. And, and so for me, I'm just like, I just, I really have taken this purpose of my life to kind of help people to live an extraordinary life, to, to be able to see kind of what is possible for them. And so I've just had so many benefits to my life by just going for it, risking, you know, like looking dumb. And, you know, I had somebody the other day and he told me, he goes, he goes I've never liked you. And he goes, and he goes, if I'm being honest, he said, uh, the reason why is he's like, it pisses me off that you truly, I can tell you don't care what people think about you. And I care so much. It handicaps me and everything. I go, well, if I'm being honest, I actually do care a lot what people think. Like, I don't want people to not like me or think I'm an asshole or something, you know? I was like, I've just learned to overcome that because I know the reward that is on the other side of it. So I, I don't, right. it doesn't paralyze me in decision-making. Like I can truly go, you know, I'm going to say this or do this anyways, but it's not that I don't care. It's just that I've learned, you know, that the reward is so much greater than that. And so, yeah, I just encourage people to, to, that's what the whole book is about. Like be the hero of your own story. We live in a world now where so many people are willing to give up their own freedoms to try to get this weird security. Like the government's going to protect you. The government's going to take care of you. Like, uh, or, you know, like somebody else is going to come save you. It's like, no, you save yourself. You do that. Like you put up a position in your life where nobody can, things can't get that bad because you're in charge. Like you became the asset. You became the person that's going to make sure that shit does not get too bad. Like if you're depending upon somebody else for anything, like stop that, you know, like you need to take control of your house, get your house in order, like make sure that you're the person that, that can do that. Totally agree. With all that that you said, I feel like so much that applies to rejection. That's why I think a lot of people don't prospect, get on the phone or go knock doors is they just can't face rejection. Mm. And maybe part of it is they just don't know how to work hard either. You, you, you know what? It, 
the greatest gift that ever happened to me was losing everything multiple times. I lost everything like several times and I was dead broke because you know what happens when you're dead broke? You're still alive. You're like, this isn't that bad. It's yeah. kind of fun. Once you hit bottom, right? Right. There's no, what like, else can you lose? That's what I tell people. I'm like, it's, well, here's the thing. Even when you're at the, when I was at my very bottom, I was happy as could be. It's like, whatever, you're alive. You're fun. Like, it's funny. Like find the humor in it, man. Yeah. Like rejection. Oh my gosh. Get over yourself. Like, are they really rejecting you or they just like, don't know what they don't know. Right. Like yeah. I'm, I'm able to truly look at things and like be self-amused by them, like be in a playful state about them and, and try to just see that and go, you know what? This is funny. Like I just did this thing or lost this, thing, whatever it might be. And it doesn't matter. Like when people are like, well, maybe you've never had hard things happen. No, I've had some hard things happen to me, like really hard things happen to me. Um, and, but I'm able to look at it with a lens of like, wow, this is great. Like if you ever, this is the best way I can put it. Have you ever been watching a movie and like, nothing bad ever happens to the main character. It's just good, 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 good. It'd be the boringest movie yeah, ever. Totally. Like we love because thank God we have an opportunity to grow, to learn, to change our perspectives, to look at things a new way, to figure stuff out. That's what makes life fun. That's what makes life interesting. There's a reason that God allows us to have these trials and things that happen because he knows we'd be bored shitless without them. Like <laughs> we need to be able to have these things happen so that we can grow and have a fun, entertaining life. Yeah. Let's talk about coaching because one of the things, I don't know where I hear it is listening to a podcast, you got your coach pretty early on, like right when you started into real estate. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, man, if I would have known Jimmy Rex at 24 and heard that you had a coach, I would have been like, dude, this, this guy's going to kill it because of that. And I see that with some of our reps right now, very early on, and they're getting coaches or mentors. So talk about how important I have a coach. And then I pay our coach to coach everybody in our company too. Awesome. Cause it's been so important in my life. Yeah. How's coaching helped you? It could be a real estate coach, could be a personal coach, could be anything, right? Yeah. Well, my first coach I ever had, I told you guys my first six months in real estate, I only sold like four houses and I didn't know what I was doing. I almost got out, to be honest. I just, I was frustrated. I didn't know what to Ready say. Ready to give up. How crazy is that? Oh, I was, I was basically done. I was, and I went Nuts. to the seminar and, uh, and they started talking about all these, you know, different things of, it was all the things I ever wanted to do, like learn with real estate, this guy that was given the seminar, I'll never forget it. And after the first day, it was a three day seminar. After the first day, they gave us a homework assignment and I went home and did it and it worked. I got like two leads. I'm like, oh, that was kind of cool. Next day I go back to the seminar, you know, and they introduced coaching. It's a thousand dollars a month. Dude, I've got like three grand in my name, it's right? I've a got a, my mortgage is a thousand dollars a month yeah. on my condo and I've got my roommates paying it for me. I'm sitting here going, these guys are absolutely insane. A thousand dollars. This is 2005. And then, um, how old were you at the time, Jimmy? Uh, 24. So I, a lot of reps, not on this podcast, but last year when you were on with us, they wanted to know the timeline of your life. I remember uh, okay. people saying like, how old was he when he sold meat? How yeah, so when I was meat, meat was 22, uh, 21, 22, and then I did that for a few years with the TV show, and then um, and I was in school, and then 24 is when I started in real estate. Okay, and so that's I'm 39 today. So. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and so I, I got this, the second day, he gave us a homework assignment again, and I went home and did it, and I got like four more leads. I'm like, holy shit, this stuff works, you know? This is the like, coach? This is the coach. Yeah, he, well, he was he was the one giving the mastermind, okay. but it was a coaching company called the Mike Ferry Organization that is the top coaching company in, in all of real estate. 
And, uh, and so I go the third day and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm telling you, I had no money. I had like, I think $2,000 to my name, maybe less. And but I go- But it's everything you are talking about a minute ago where it's like maybe a little sketchy, maybe outside your comfort zone. And it's like, you could go a down little, path, dude, it's, right? It's so outside it's my comfort zone. Time. Like I look at that kid now, I just want to hug him. I'm like, thank goodness you had the balls to do totally. that, dude. Because I go up to the guy at the end of the third day and I said, look, dude, I'm in. But it was a 12 month commitment, $1,000 a month. Wow. It was $12,000. And uh, I said, I don't have any money right now. I have a deal that's going to close. If you try to run my card right now, it's not going to go through for the $1,000. Um, I said, but if you'll wait three weeks, just make it. I wrote on the thing. I wrote, you know, don't wait charge this weeks, until yeah. this date. And I said, then, you know, I got a deal closing. It should be able to cover it. And he's like, no problem. Let's do it. I remember they called me and I said, and when I went to that seminar, I, you know, I, there was about 200 people there. And I remember the ones that were in coaching, they had a little placard on and it said they were in coaching. And so I'm talking to him. It was at the Marriott downtown at the time. There's a Jamba Juice in the, in the lobby. And I saw there was like three or four of them at the Jamba Juice. And I said, I said, hey, they said the average person that's in coaching is selling like 40, 50 deals a year. Like how many, does this stuff work like? And they're like, oh yeah, it works. I'm like, well, how many deals are you guys selling? And one was like 60 and the others were like 20 or 30. And I'm like, well, how much of the coaching do you do? And they're like, oh, I do like 30% or 20% of it. And I looked at him and I was like so confused. I'm like, why don't you just do 100% if it works? And they laughed at me like I was the idiot. They're like, well, it's really hard. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, so I remember when I signed up, I'm like, well, this is stupid. I'm just going to do 100%. <laughs> and so I did. I did everything they said to do for the next five years. And my second year in coaching in real estate with one assistant, I sold 98 homes. Wow. This was before teams. So I was wow. one of the two finalists of the Salt Lake Board of Realtors, the entire Board of Realtors. I was one of the two finalists for salesperson of the year. And this is my second year. And everyone's like, who the hell is this guy? I bet it was so damn annoying so looking at 26. Like 20, 25, 26. 25. Yeah. Crazy. I look at it now. I just laugh. I see like pictures of myself. Like I was, I was a puppy, dude. I was a child. <laughs> and I just didn't know any better. I just, just was freaking everybody. just going for it. Dude. So yeah. Sick. I guarantee these guys. I was laughing with a friend of mine the other day about this. Like I guarantee these like guys and women that had been in real estate for 20 years, 15 years are going home. And they're just like, have to see my ass in the office selling <laughs> two, three homes a week. Just like this damn guy, you know, because back then, I mean, the average agent was probably doing again, five or six deals wow. a year, maybe 10 wow. if they were good. Nuts, dude. That's so crazy. Yeah. Coaching. Coaching's huge. Love that. Have you worked with coaches in other aspects of your life besides real estate? Oh, yeah. So I currently, <laughs> I, I'm a huge believer in getting it right, not being right. Um, you know, I think the most important skill a person can have is to be self-aware. So I'm always reevaluating re myself, self-evaluating it, and seeing where I need to improve. And so I currently, I still have a real estate coach. Um, I have a life coach. Um, I have like an energy kind of lady that is basically a coach. And then I have like a shaman lady that I work with that also is like a coach. And then anytime I'm in a relationship, I have a relationship therapist I go to. Um, yeah, I have people that I pay to tell me what I need to do better. It takes a whole village to build this guy, you know, is what totally. I like to joke. And and so, yeah, I have a lot of coaches and um, I, I got into golf last year. I hired a golf coach. Um, I got my golf coach right now. You know, I um, got into piano, hired a piano teacher. Like I'm just anything I do, I go to the person that's doing it the best and I learn from them. Totally. Love that, man. Um, if you could take what you know now, you go back to 24, you're making 250 a year. What would you do with your money? To 2004? No, right now. Go back to where though, you said. So you take all your knowledge that you have right now. Right. And you keep it. And then we rewind. You're also 24 years old oh, I'm, right I'm here 24. in 2021. And you're making 250 a year. Got it. What are you doing with your money? Well, assuming it was the same it wouldn't be the same time frame. Let's just say if I had all my knowledge today, but yeah. I was only 24, what would yeah. I do? Right. I, I mean, I'd invest the same way I am, but I, you know, again, it's 
the one lesson that I didn't learn very well was there's t- there's two lessons here. Number one is I was so naive. There's so many people that will take your money from you. I was this young punk kid hustling, trying to make it work. And dude, I got every person came out of the woodworks because they knew I was making good money, you know? And so I ended up investing in Ponzi schemes. I invested in like your brother's bishops takes your money (laughs) for some dental clinic that never actually existed in Arizona that I invested in. Never, damn thing never even existed. Um, I mean, I invested in everything that you can. I I gave away millions of dollars to people that were taking my money and I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so first thing that I would say is there's a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. Love it. And I'll sum up the whole book for you. Don't invest in something if you don't understand it. That's pretty much the whole premise of the book. Like get to understand something or find the person that does and invest with them specifically. Um, you know, see what their track record is. Like my real estate team, we've sold 7,000 homes to investors and be between Tyler and I. Like there's so many realtors that are going to tell you to invest in real estate and they're going to try to help you, but they don't know what they're doing. Like I, I actually wrote another book. It's called uh, the, uh, the Next Wave of Influence in Real Estate. And I interviewed 100 of the top real estate agents across the country um, that were millennials. And over half of them had not invested in their own real estate. Like they don't even invest in real estate, but they're out there helping investors all day long. Yeah. Like find out, Crazy. ask your realtor, say, I want to see your portfolio. If you're not using us, like ask whoever it is, say, hey, I want to see what you've done. Like, do you understand this game? Do you know what to look for? Like, can you read cash on cash returns, internal rate of returns, like, you know, cap rates, all these different things. Do you truly understand it? Like, and then you get guys like, you know, Ty Lopez and some of these guys that, are these gurus and they just pitch whatever it is, crypto one week and NFTs the next and baseball cards the next, whatever it might be. And um, they had, a, you know, they, it's funny, they had Ty Lopez on uh, a podcast recently and they asked him some actual real estate questions that are very basic and he couldn't answer them, but really? he's pitching real estate all really? the time like he's some guru. No, yeah. he's not. Like be careful of like the fake guru, like actually see that these people know what they're doing, you know? And so, I don't know, I just think like for me, the number one thing I would do is, is, is Warren Buffett's number one rule in investing is don't lose money, right? Yeah. Number two, don't forget rule number one. And so, because when you lose money, it's so hard to make it up. And I just gave away a lot of money. I wouldn't invest in private companies very early on because they're so hard to get a return on, to be honest. Like, um, uh, I, I got lucky with a couple with like Nikola, for example, and but even that, like, geez Louise, man, it's you know, it's, yeah, I just I've listened been to the podcast where you talked time. about that and just kind of how it's freaking disaster, yeah, dude. But I got lucky because I was the first money in, you know, totally. I was, and I literally still barely made a good return. But, um, but my point is, is like so many things go wrong in a private company, like you, you know, fraud can happen and people will just d- deceive you, the books can get cooked, all these different things, and so. Invest in what works, like play it safe, but be aggressive at the same time. And so that's the best advice I'd give to myself. And, you know, I'd probably go very heavy real estate, cash flow real estate. I mean, it's that to me sets you up for everything else. Once you have that as a base, because you want to get to a spot where you're not stressed, right? And so if you can build up enough of a cash flow where, because to be financially free, like quote unquote retired, right? I mean, the same thing. Uh, Same thing. You don't need to have $10 million, $5 million. What you need is to be able to replace however much money you make right now with investment money. And so if you have that much money coming in that's not dipping into the principal, you're retired. You're financially free. You technically don't have to work anymore. That's the, the vision that I would go for. And so I would tell people, like, look for ways to replace your income. If it's $8,000 a month, start with that. Then you go to the next level. Okay, now I'm going to add in, you know, I want to go on a couple extra vacations and give some charity each year. And so now you need 15000 a month or maybe gets up to 40000 a month. And, and then it just keeps growing. Sure. But that's what I would focus on if, uh, if I was 24. Let's talk about time. Uh, this is such a big subject. And our guys are super busy too. But 
I mean, you're doing so much speaking, investing, real estate, selling homes still, business owner, all this stuff, right? How do you manage your time? What's What have you learned the last couple of years? Yeah, so there's two parts to this, and I, I say this because of the, where they're at in their careers and their lives. So when you're coming up, I give everyone my time because you never know. Everybody's a potential client. Everybody could possibly sure. help me on my way, They're right? Standing. So I gave a lot of time to people. Once you kind of get over that curve, then you got to learn the art of saying no. So now, like, I say no a lot more than I say yes. Like, I, people will literally, multiple people every day are hitting me up for something. Like, everybody. But what they're doing is I always see first if they come out of contribution, right? Um, and people hit me up a lot to meet my network, to meet my friends and stuff like that. And I'm a guardian for them. And so I have to kind of be able to see, is this Filter somebody that's going to add value or yeah. take, try, just try to take from my friends? So you did this as perfect. Like, this is what, why I love what you guys are doing here is you came from value from day one. You said, hey, I've already, actually, I, I know who you are because of this. I've listened to you. I, I like your message. Here's what I like about your message. And I want you to, you know, help me with my real estate investing. I want you to help my guys with real estate investing. You came from contribution from day one. So it's like, okay, this guy gets it. I could tell that right away. And then from there, it's like, man, I would help you with whatever. I'd give you time for things because I know that you're the kind of person I want to have around, right? You wouldn't ever take advantage of people in my life, stuff like that. Um, but unfortunately most people are trying to build their own thing. And so there's a lot of takers out there. Totally. And so they'll hit you up. Like, you know, I posted yesterday, I was talking about some restaurants that me and my buddies have done and we've crushed it on some of these restaurants. I mean, just printing money on this one restaurant in particular. And, and I was just sharing it to give an example of like every, you know, like how it can go. And I'm investing now in a several other restaurants. And I had probably 20 people hit me up. They're like, yo, I'm interested in investing. I wasn't even asking, but I just kind of put it out there because, you know, and I was like, oh, well, I am syndicating, you know, about a million bucks for this restaurant fund. If you guys want to get in on it, I'll get you some information. But I had about another 10 people that were like, yo, I saw you're an investor. Here, look at my thing. They've never done a single thing sure. to get to know me. They're just yeah. immediately thinking, oh my gosh, he invests. I need to get something from him. And that's the, unfortunately, what most people's minds go to, right? They're like, oh, how can I gain from this? How can I get something from this person? And so when I teach, networking is the number one thing I get asked to speak on and talk about. And the principle that I teach people is, is when you get, when you give enough to everybody else, like when you truly help everyone else get what they want, you're going to get what you want. Zig Ziglar, Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah. It's the oldest principle about networking, right? But you have to truly give expecting to get nothing in return. Like it's really cool. Like you can really tell the difference when somebody's giving and they don't need anything back. And people are so confused by it. And they're just like, they're like, what do you want? And I was like, nothing. I'm just literally like, I want to help. I, you know, like that's when you do that. The floodgates will open, doors will burst open, and people will open up their wallets, their networks, and everything else to you because they know that's who you are. But like I, I remember one time I was speaking to a group about this, and you know I have these principles of networking, and number one is that, and then number two is everybody needs something. Figure out what it is and help that person get it right. So like no matter who you're trying to meet, if you're trying to get to know somebody, because I've I've literally picked my entire friends group by who inspires me, who I want to be around, who I want to be friends with. And they're my friends now. But what I did is I figured out who inspired me and then I figured out ways to make their lives better. And so I would go out of my way to figure that out. And once I, you know, it's very hard not to like somebody that every time you are around them or everything with them makes your life they're better. You yeah, yeah, like it's totally. very, you know, like you're going to want to be around that person. And so I was teaching about this. And as soon as we ended the class, this guy comes up and immediately pitches me on his window business for because he heard I do real estate. And I'm just like, dude, did you not listen to, I yeah, literally said this to him, anything. did you not listen to one word I said? You still yeah. have not tried to give any contribution, any value. And so I, you know, I just, I try to help people understand, like if you want to have amazing people in your life, like if you're a taker, 
you're gonna actually attract other takers. From a subconscious level, that's who's gonna be in your life. But if you're a giver, then you're gonna uh, attract all the givers in your life. It's really cool. You'll end up being surrounded by the best people. And so anyway, and it's very cool too because when you're surrounded by other givers and people that have these big hearts and that come from the right place of contribution, it's so like obvious when somebody comes into the circle that is a taker and they get exposed so quickly and they're gone just as quick as they came in. It happens sure. all the time. This is actually a, a good part to pivot a little bit. We've been talking a lot of business, money, real estate, everything, but about giving, that's what I, I've loved listening to your podcast is you do give a lot. And um, I, I don't know how many people would you know, offer to go on an underground railroad mission and risk their life. That's been so cool. I love that you have that background, the $100 dinner club. What have you learned from being involved in these things? Well, and here's the thing is, I mean, again, I was talking to one of my buddies, Jeremy, about this the other day. He's a huge giver as well. And, and I said, selfishly, it's just a really fun way to live. Like when you're giving, have you ever just given, like done these things for people? Like it's so fun. Like when you see their reaction, you see that, like have you ever left a $100 tip and then just like kind of walked watch out and watched the happens. waiter open it up or the yeah. waitress? It's pretty freaking rad, dude. Like yeah. you ever had someone chase you down in a parking lot because of the tip you left? Like it's pretty freaking cool. You feel really rad. Even if you don't, you know that they're having this thing. It's like, and people are always like, how did you know I'm in the worst place in my life? I'm like, cause everybody needs something right now, you know? And so like selfishly, I just say to people, I'm like, I don't know why everybody doesn't do it like this. Like give here. And here's the key to giving, man. If it doesn't hurt, you're not giving enough. I don't care how much money you have or how much money you make. If it's not hurting, you're not giving enough. And that's the key to giving, dude. It, because people always say like, well, when I get this or when I get that, I'm going to give. It's like, no. When I, was, when I first joined Operation Underground Road, I'll never forget it. It was five, six years ago. And I had it like in my emergency savings. Like I had just invested a half a million dollars in Nikola. I just invested a hundred grand in another company. I just bought some houses. I mean, I was broke as far as cash goes. And I had this emergency fund that had some money in it. And I remember I met them and they told me that, you know, in order to get on an op, I had to take all this training and I had to pay for the first op. And I was like, well, I was like, I wrote the check and I slid it across the table and I said, well, here you go. Let's start with this. And it cost as much as my new truck. I remember I told my, I kind of my guy that runs my, my business operation, Chris, I told him, you know, Hey, I just wrote this check out of the emergency fund. And he looked at me and he's like, uh, are you insane? Like that's our emergency fund. I said it was an emergency. Trust me. And he's just like shaking his head. But it wow. hurts so bad. Like people wow. will never know if they knew how broke I was when I wrote that check. They'd have never accepted it from me. Wow. Like there is no way they would have taken my money. And it's like I've done that multiple times over the years, right? And so. I just tell people like the gift of life is in the giving. Like it truly is when you've had every, I mean, dude, I've been to every country you can imagine. I've gone to every sporting event, been on the front row. I've been on the, I've been on the field for the world series when the Red Sox, you know, broke the curse. I've been on the field with the, my buddy Kyle, when the Patriots won the world or the Super Bowl over the, the Falcons. I've been, uh, I mean, when Darman Mitchell won the slam dunk contest, I was on the court. Like I've done everything you can do and like for yourself, right? I've been to every country. I've dated amazing, beautiful women all over the place. And I'm telling you, when you've had that experience, you know that fulfillment and joy comes from growth and contribution. Those are the mm -hmm. two things that truly make you happy. Like I have been able to experience all that stuff and nothing 
nothing makes you feel better when you're growing as a person and when you're contributing back to other people, giving to other people. The, the true fun of life is to do it for other people. Like the, you know, like I, um, last year I was able to take my entire family on a Disney cruise. It was a dream of mine. I paid for 37 of us to go on a wow. Disney cruise right before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And those aren't cheap. <laughs> no, no, it was a, uh, it was a six figure payout for Dang. to get, make that trip, trip happen. You know, we flew us all to wow. Florida. We did a week in the Caribbean and all that, but, but that was one of the greatest weeks of my life. Like the gifts like that, when I'm able to, you know, do little things for people, you know, like when a friend's just a, 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 a mutual friend's friend is dying of cancer or, and you're able to send some money or something or do sure. just whatever it is, like that's truly what makes us fulfilled and happy. And so, and by the way, you can't help very many people if you're broke. Like if, you know, like people are always complaining on the internet right now about politics and whether it's Democrats or Republicans, or it's like, well, you're not gonna be able to do shit about it if you're broke. <laughs> you're trying to put food on your table. So figure out how to make a lot of money, invest smart, quit buying dumb shit that you can't afford. If you have any debt, you're an idiot, pay it off. Like <laughs> this is like the, the facts, because it if is. you come from a weak position, you can't help can't anybody. Do anything. Yeah. Right, if you wanna truly make an impact, get yourself in a position where you can actually make a difference. Yeah. Let's talk about traveling just a little bit more. 84 countries, that doesn't just happen. That has to be so intentional. And every time I've traveled, especially internationally, I always come back with like the coolest perspective. Mm -hmm. You meet some beautiful people mm -hmm. that just looked at life differently that I could take from and learn from them. Like I think as Americans, we assume like, well, let's go to Africa, we'll help them. And like, dude, we need their help, right? They have nothing, they have bigger smiles than we have mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've loved about traveling. What have like, why has traveling been so important to you? Yeah, and I think it goes back to that growth aspect that I talked about, right? Like one of the f six key figures of our life, the, the growth of traveling, like just when you have to figure things out in a foreign land with foreign people and it, nothing's familiar, like there's so much growth in that. And that in and of itself it's an is enough reason right? to travel, right? Yeah. And then like you said, you meet these people and I'll give you one example real quick. I went to Egypt a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine who was born in Palestine and he, uh, he grew up in Egypt actually, he hadn't been back in 14 years. And I'd always kind of had this like thing like from the news and the, you know, the media and like these ideas about Islamic people and Muslims and things like that, like weren't the best, like, I mean, I just, I frankly, I just didn't know any, I'd never even met any. I didn't want anything to do with them. That'd be the best way to put it. It wasn't that I had issues so much as I just was like, saw them as dangerous, like these foreign right. people. And I go with him to Egypt and we spent a few days with his family who's all Islamic and they're all there. And dude, they are literally like made these feasts for us. And we're playing with the kids and we're talking with his uncle and we don't even speak the same languages, but it's a, this mutual love language. You can feel it. And his mom comes up and she's crying and, and she gives me this big hug and I'll get emotional talking about it. But, and she says, uh, she says, I've worried so bad for my son for 14 years. And to know that he has a friend like you in America makes me wow. so happy. Wow. And it's like, what the heck was I afraid of? Like, Seriously. you know, Brene Brown talks about it. She's like, anything you're afraid of, lean into it. Like, mm -hmm. get to know people. And so, like, by traveling and going to all these parts, I've been to literally so many different countries now. I just went to Bosnia and Serbia, these areas that, like, growing up, we were so afraid of this. There were war zones, Kosovo, you know. I mean, literally 10 years ago, was at war still. And I go, and you're just like— Is this like, where you just went a couple weeks ago? That's where I just ago? was a and few weeks ago. alone, right? Yeah. You just went for it. Yeah, I just— How you know, freaking dope is that? I think too often in life, we make the mistake of, of trying to, like, go escape from something. And I actually yeah. was in one—I've been in a really good place. I've been in a really good spot. I said, you know, I, I, I'm going to go travel while I'm in a great place. And I've, I've been wanting to get to 100 countries by my 40th birthday. COVID kind of screwed me, but um, I still have a chance to make it. And I was like, you know, I can hit quite a few countries here. I, I'm going to fly into Croatia and then rent a car and go hit these other countries that are, that are like states, basically. They're so close together. 
And anyway, went and did all this by myself, had the best time and just enjoyed myself. Just, I took myself to all the nicest restaurants, stayed in the nicest hotels and just really enjoyed myself, put my phone away for every meal and just sat there and enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I was sitting in in Montenegro on the beach with this castle overlooking It's one of the most beautiful settings I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just sitting there by myself, just eating this giant freaking T-bone steak and just like, like, gosh, like really just this gratitude of like, you know, for life and what it is and everything. And so I encourage everybody to spend more time with yourself. I had a, a, a life coach, um, Woody Woodward about five, six years ago who really taught me cause I, I couldn't be by myself. And he taught me, he said, you're going to go to the movies by yourself. You're going to eat by yourself. And dude, I remember the first movie I went to, it was that tank movie with Brad Pitt fury or something like that. I was so nervous. Somebody I know would see me by myself. And so I went like middle of the day, like a Tuesday at four o'clock to the movie. And if somebody had seen me, I'm sure they'd be like, this guy's lost it. Like he used to be somebody. He's just at the movies at four o'clock. I was so nervous about it, but it was so healthy. It was so uncomfortable at first to go do things by myself. And now, you know, I've really gotten to this beautiful place where this self-love and, and just through my whole adventure and journey, uh, I've been able to get to this place where, you know, and I, I, I always joke, I say, if you can fall in love with yourself, you never spend a day without someone you love. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that don't like to be For with sure. themselves. And, no. I, this is, you know, you got to go on that exploration. I used to be that way. I couldn't sit with myself. And and so anyway, so yeah, but but doing these travels and exploring these places um, just opens your mind, opens your horizon, and, and it truly helps you shed off all these misbeliefs like the news like they have you believe so many terrible things about so many places or people even like the united states is a good example like you would think if you just watched and read the news everyone hates united states and it is the opposite even in countries where we have bombed them we've had been at war at them they flag they fly the american flag because it still stands for freedom they still love what we stand for in america at its core and I'm so grateful I've been able to experience that. I've been able to see it all over the world. These people are so grateful. Even if they don't want to like Americans, there is a respect because they are almost a jealousy, you could say, because they do know about the freedoms that we have. But the people that live here that have never explored, that have never gone out, they're so butthurt about their lives not being what they want. Sure. And you either have to make something else wrong or somebody else wrong, or you got to change yourself. And they don't want to look at themselves. So they try to make America wrong or the people and all that. And so I encourage people to get out and explore and you'll see like, wow, like we have it so good yeah, here that so we have good. to fight about if men can use women's bathrooms. Like that's like the fights that we create for ourselves totally. because everything else is so good. And you know, Joe Rogan talks about this all the time. He says, he says, weak times create strong men, strong men create, um, Weak times and then weak times create weak man, or you know what I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. totally butchering the line, yeah. but basically, when times are good, sorry, good times create weak, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, bad times create good men. And like that's kind of we're in that cycle right now where because it's been so damn good for so long, like we have no idea in the history of mankind, like go read the stats, like. It has never been better to be alive than it is in 2021 as an American. It really isn't. There's never been a more free society. There's never been a more accepting society. Whether you're a woman, you're a minority, whatever, there's still a long ways to go, but it has never been better. And if you have some perspective and actually want to look at it, you'll see how great your life is and you have so much gratitude. But when you don't have gratitude, you look for what's missing or what's wrong. It's a very dangerous place to get up to always be looking for what's wrong and, and not taking that time. That's why Tony Robbins talks this all the time about having gratitude in your heart and, and always be focusing on gratitude. Because if you don't focus on gratitude, your mind will go to the things that are wrong. We're naturally wired to look for what's wrong because it's 
back when we lived in caves and saber toothed tigers and shit, we had to like see what was wrong to stay alive. Totally. But now it's so easy to just be alive that our mind just looks for what's wrong. And so you have to retrain it through gratitude to just see the beauty and the, and the good and all that's going on. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. Uh, the flag is one of the first things Jimmy noticed when he came in here. I think he just posted about it. So you guys should look up Jimmy Rex on uh, social media. Yeah, man. The, it, it means a lot to me, like freedom in America. I, having sure. traveled and seen it, like it, it, I fight for it. That's why we have it, for sure. Uh, the other thing that you said in there was reps asked me all the time, like, what's something I can do time management-wise? What can I do better? And I said, go to lunch by yourself. Start getting okay with going to stuff by yourself. Right. And it's easier for me because I'm more of an introvert. When I have personal time, I want to learn. I want to read. I want to listen. I want to do that stuff. And it, it is harder for people that want to socialize and stuff. But you, if you want to be successful, you have to learn how to do stuff by yourself. Right. Whatever the mass population is doing, you can't do that. Yeah. Well, in spending that time by yourself and giving yourself time to think. Right. I mean, we were never supposed to as humans have as much stimulus as we do in a day because of our phones. And I'm as guilty as anybody. But one thing I've started doing, you know, I started doing 75 hard. I'm on day like 71 or whatever. And one of my my stretch. second workout, a lot of times I'll just go for a walk and I purposely leave my phone. You spend that time and just really let your mind just kind of tell you what it needs to and let totally. it kind of get back to normal. And you talked about self-awareness. If you don't have that time, because I know for me, anytime I've said something stupid or I've hurt somebody or whatever, right? It's when I'm driving the car by myself and I'm thinking through and I'm like, man, that, that probably wasn't the best thing right there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, how can you ever help your self-awareness if you don't have that time? Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about money and then maybe we can ask it up uh, for questions. How's your view of money changed over the years? Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, again, like my mentor, Mike Ferry, used to always say, he's like, if you want to help the poor, don't be one of them. Um, so I always was kind of like, I grew up <laughs> I with that. parents that fought at the bottom of the stairs, right? Like I would be sit at the bottom of the stairs and I'd hear my parents fighting. So as a young child, I associated problems with not having enough money, which is true. Um you know, I, I used to joke around, I've made a t-shirt that says this, it says, nobody would remember the Good Samaritan if he had been broke. Mm. Like you have to be able to have money to help like you do. And so um, money in and of itself is, you know, it's not good or bad, it, it, but money is whatever you give it energy to be. Um, I was on a podcast recently, a guy named Andrew Cordell, and he, he it's called The Money Is Podcast. And you literally have to say what your definition of money is. And I said, it's whatever you give it the power to be, the energy to be. And so for me, um, it's a way to create you know, a, a situation where you can do what you want with who you want, when you want. Like that to me is, is true freedom. And, and so money helps you create freedom and money helps you to be able to, again, do the things that truly make you happy. Um, it's very hard to help other people when you're trying to figure out how to make the mortgage payment. You know, yeah. it's very difficult to, to be able to step outside your comfort zone and go for a week by yourself to Europe if you're not even sure how to make the car payment. And so I encourage people to um, see it for what it is, like money isn't the ultimate pursuit. Look at all the things that you can do, like find out what your perfect life looks like and then figure out how to make enough money to make that happen. Totally, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just think it magnifies also what you already are. It, 100%, and by the way, one of the keys to my life has been whatever you want more of, give it away. So if you want more money, really? give away. Yeah, because what happens, the universe is very sneaky and it teaches, uh, what it does is when you tell the universe, 
oh, you know what? There's plenty of money. I just give it away because like I give it away to the right people. But by giving away a lot of money, you tell the universe, I don't see this as scarce. So then the universe gives it to you in abundance because you don't see it as scarce. If you're always hanging on to every dollar, you're like, no, money's very scarce. It's hard to come by. It's not like, here's my boom, 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 boom. You know, I give away a lot of money because at the end of the day, if you're giving it away, you're telling the universe, yeah, I see this thing in an abundance. It's everywhere. I, I literally, like I say this all the time, like everyone I know has money. Like money is everywhere right now. Yeah. And if you're not seeing that, it's because of your own mind around it, whatever. But like if whatever you want more of, give it away. So if you want more love in your life, start giving away more love. Like start, I mean, don't be a tramp. You know what I mean? But <laughs> if you want more love in your life, be more loving. Like sure. really put it out there. Yeah. Man, I've been taking notes like crazy. So this has been freaking awesome. Do we have any questions from anybody? You know, this has been such an awesome podcast. Jimmy, thanks for being on with us. I've been kind of on the sidelines. It's been so entertaining to listen to. I've just been kind of sitting back and listening to you guys. I feel like it's been interesting for us because it's not our usual. It's not all about how to get into real estate or how to do this topic. Last week we had a stockbroker on and it was how to invest in the stock market. Mm. What is compounding interest? Like, what are these things? Today's been all about life and how to live the fullest life and how to get more out of it. I think a question that is constantly coming up with people, because I know you two are both kind of old. I'm on the younger side of Easy. our company. <laughs> no, and I think a question that's always coming up, Tyler Bennett was on with us a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he always talks about, you know, if you buy that dirt bike, that dirt bike's really worth this much in 20 years. How do you live that balance of not living like this life where you yeah, don't have any fun, question. Yeah. but yeah, you yeah. still want to be smart with your money, right? For us in our late 20s, early 20s, whatever it is, what is that balance? Yeah, it's, it goes back to being disciplined. So here's here's the difference for me, okay? So when I was first young, I, all the money I made, I was blowing it everywhere, man. I was just spending it, and that was dumb, yeah. okay? I was dead broke. Typical mistake, At 31, right? I was dead broke, and I'd made millions of dollars. Like, I made all the mistakes, right? So here's what I learned is... Be disciplined on, so put aside a certain amount of every single paycheck that you, no matter what, goes into an investment and a savings account. So for me, I took 30% of every dollar. I literally opened a separate bank account at a separate bank, and every dollar I took, my assistant would put 70% in my account, and 30% went to my savings investment account. And I did not touch that account. I couldn't touch it. He literally had access, and I didn't. That way, I lived off the 70, and you can still have all the fun in the world off For that, sure. but you're saving over here, and it was crazy how fast that built up. And so that 30% that I started saving is what allowed me to invest in all those homes and in Nikola and everything else. And so that's the best advice I can give is learn to live on 70% of what you make. The mistake that most people make is as they make more money, all they do is they increase all their costs. Like all their, more, right? right. But if you can, and that's fine as long as you're still saving that 30%. And if you really want to be, you know, go for it 50%. If you're afraid to do 30, do 20, but you've got to do something so that that builds and then you're being responsible and then you can just, dude, I always joke. I'm like, as long as I keep saving this money, investing in real estate, because I mean, I already own, I don't know, however millions of dollars worth of real estate right now, but let's say by my you know, age 50, 10 more years, I own, I don't know, $20 million worth of real estate, $30 million worth of real estate. Most of it will be paid off by then. I can squander every other dollar I make. Yeah, I can blow matter. it all. I spend money like a banshee, dude. Like I, I spend a shit ton of money all the time. <laughs> like, um, But it's never at the cost of this money over here that goes yeah, to yeah. investing and saving. Because I've heard you talk a lot about Tony Robbins. I love him. His, his book on money is fantastic, I think. But my biggest takeaway from his book on money was pay yourself first. Yeah. No matter what you make, pay yourself first. Yep. And that's, that's, that's right It's a great there. question, though. And I think that's, that's the best answer I can give. I love that. I think that a lot of our guys are in that stage where they're being, they're 22, they're 23, they're 24 and up. 
and they first they made their first 200 grand this year. Yeah, have fun though, by the like, way. Jesus, we like it up, right? spend that but money. Also, yeah, but and I always did it to inv- I invested in my network. So like I threw a lot of parties, I did a lot of travel you can to do both meet people. At the same time. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of helped me build my network at the same time. Awesome. That was yeah. a great a great answer. Any cool. other questions? No, that was the main question. I okay. think one more thing I want to ask is a lot of our reps also they're just making money now, and so they have a lot coming in the future, but the way it works with us in solar is you do the work now and get paid a month from now, two months from now, yeah, three months from now. Yeah, same as real estate. Yeah, same idea, right? You have to wait till it closes mm-hmm. and everything. But there's a lot of people that want to invest, but are nervous because they don't want to spend all their money. But it sounds like you would say, go for it. You would say, forget the emergency fund, just go. Even no, you should, have, you should have three months emergency fund saved before you invest any money. Three months is what you and would And then say. once you start investing a little bit, get it up to six months. Okay, so do get some investments going sooner. Don't wait for six months. I would months. save the three months though, yeah. Three months is mandatory in your eyes. Yeah. Cool. I think that's everything that I've kind of heard from our guys. Okay, thanks everybody for joining and thanks, Jimmy. For once in a lifetime, you need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast.